Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 270. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint Live Online team. This week, we are continuing our breakdown of the Blueprint MCAT Diagnostic, which you get for free over at blueprintmcat.com. We are in our cars section going through passage two today. Before we jump in, though, I want to remind you, I just mentioned it for free. Go sign up for a Blueprint MCAT account. Get this diagnostic for free. Get their full-length one for free. Their free flashcards on their brand-new spaced repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards that you get already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. Nicole, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. Hello, hello. You ready to cars it up again? Yes, it's another passage for today. <laughs> I, I, I'm picturing like when I said that, are you ready to cars it up? Like uh, where I am in Colorado, right? We talk about mm-hmm. carving uh, when we're skiing. I'm like, I, I wonder ah, if yes. there's some co- sort of like cool meme or something we could do for ca- carsing it up instead of carving it, it up. Instagram. Yes, yes, we'll get it up there. So uh, last week we did cars, blueprint MCAT, uh, diagnostic cars, passage one. Mm-hmm. That seemed to go relatively well. How, as a student, am I supposed to take that momentum and hopefully carry that into this next passage without getting a little cocky or getting ahead of myself here? <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay to be like a little, like I said, there's a, I think we have to toe the line between confidence and cockiness. Like I said, <laughs> I think so because it's it's so easy to feel uncertain, you know, if like if you feel and you recognize that you have that momentum, you know, take like dive right into that next passage, you know, versus if you wanted to take a second, you know, take one. Okay, now back in. Um, you know, if you, I think if you have that momentum, just definitely, just definitely, just embrace it. If you're like Dr. Gray here, you're getting all your, you know, feel like, oh, I totally got all those questions right. You know, I'm so great. Just, yeah, just, keep, it, just keep it going. Embrace it. I'm great. I'm amazing. I'm like a yeah. cars wizard. Yeah, hype yourself up. Hype yourself up. Like I said, you know, if it's believable to you in that moment, like you know, if it's believable, pretend like you have a friend there behind you, you know, who's like encouraging you, like. Like, you've got this. Like, you did so good in that one. Like, even if this one is hard, like, it's all going to balance out, you know? Got it. It's, yeah. Got it. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, again, for everyone watching, listening, 
Uh, we're going over Blueprint MCAT Half-Link Diagnostic, which everyone gets for free at BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. You also get Full Length One, which we've covered on the podcast before. Um, but we are in the Cars section, Passage 2. And we crushed Passage 1. So hopefully <laughs> hopefully, uh, Passage 2 will be just as good. All right. Yeah, this one was a bit of a doozy for me, but we're going to we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it. All right. So passage two. Mexicans have long attributed the origins of their political system to the revolution of 1910 through 20. They cite the the Constitution of 1917 as the foundation of their modern political institutions and practices. Mexico's governing institutions and political culture also bear the imprint of three centuries of Spanish colonial rule. Mexicans' adherence to a highly codified civil law tradition, their acceptance of heavy state involvement in business and civic affairs, and the deference accorded to the executive over the other branches of government can be traced to the administrative and legal practices of the colonial period. All right. So we have a lot of dates here. We have a lot of details. What would you you go first, Rhea? What do you think is important to pull out? Uh, I'd probably go uh, just to the revolution here. Yeah, totally. Dates, I think, kind of the same way I talked about last episode with names being good things yeah. to Me. highlight. I feel the same way about da- about dates because those just like I said, one in, in one ear, out the other for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I, thought I, I thought about maybe political system, but the whole thing's about political system. So maybe more origins. Yeah, yeah. I think or- I think origins is a good one. I think that's also good thinking, right? So political system is important. But you're not going to ever need to go back and find like where they said the words political systems necessarily, because it seems like that's what our whole passage is going yeah. to be about. So that's good um, critical thinking in terms of, OK, what is important and where does that overlap with what I actually want to highlight? Yep. All right. So we have a constitution of 1917. Yep. Um, I think also we have a lot of talk of colonial rule here. Right. So I think Spanish colonial rule, noting that kind of midway in our paragraph here. Um. And then we have kind of like this this list, right? So we have Mexicans' adherence to this, their acceptance of that, and the deference accorded to you, right? So basically all these different things yeah. that they do that are a result, an imprint, as the passage says, yeah. of three centuries of Spanish colonial rule. So for this, because these seem like details that I might want to go back to. So I feel like I would highlight um, civil civil law. So I'm going to highlight just like a little piece from each of these. Um, This is maybe a little bit on the higher highlighting side. So this is, you could also just, um, you know, note that this is where they talk about the influence of Spanish colonial rule. But yeah, so civil law, I think state involvement, I think that is, I think that's a good highlighting choice. And then I might just highlight executive over, um, you know, just to just note, like I said, that executive over other branches of government. So if I'm looking for the word executive, I can find it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay, next paragraph. So, um, during the 1920s, President Elias Calles reorganized Mexican politics along corporatist lines to contain latent social conflicts. Calles expanded government bureaucracy to enable it to mediate among rival constituencies and to dispense state funds to organizations supportive of the official party. Calles also created an uh, umbrella organizations that lumped together disparate groups according to broad functional categories. Newly created interest groups depended heavily on the state of their financing and were required to maintain strong ties to the ruling party, the newly created Institutional Revolutionary Party, or IRP. Hmm. 
All right, more details, lots of lots of information being packed into here. Then yeah, definitely highlighting names right here. So we have our president here. Um, and also highlight 1920, because dates are another thing that I always find myself searching and struggling to find when I'm going back to things. Um, so I think, what, what do you think is kind of a sentence I think you're going for here that would kind of, uh, it's really key to our paragraph here. Yeah, this this expanded government bureaucracy. Yeah, definitely works. Everything that comes after this in the paragraph is kind of talking about this idea, right, of expanding government bureaucracy. Yeah. So we have like we're, you know, we're dispensing state funds, right, to different organizations. Um, I think also there's oh, there's one word that's sticking out to me here, because if you um, if you're I tried to make it sound like it was. Um, but if you didn't hear it in my voice, I'm the word official of yeah. supportive of the official party here was in quotations. Right. So that's maybe hinting a little bit at what our author thinks about this, you know, what the attitudes were at the time. Like it's like official, like I guess it's like official. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the tone that I'm getting from that. So I'm always going to be paying attention to that thing. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'd highlight here, yes, yeah, this institutional revolutionary party, right? A new term coming in. If they're bothering to put an abbreviation for it, it's probably going to be mentioned again. That's on, that's when I personally put abbreviations into things. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're if you're writing your activities descriptions right now and trying to make up all these acronyms to save characters, um, think about that from our author's perspective here. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you want to know something? I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll educate um, uh, hopefully everyone listening to this. So you, you called it an abbreviation, and then you called it an acronym oh yeah it'd be a, which is you're right there are different things hey, yeah what, what is what is that do you know irp it's, i forget which is which but one is like you know um you would say like one is saying the letters versus one is the letters created yeah yeah so um, you already know this so I most do, I, know, I do this so wait let me think yeah. abbreviate I think so. I think an acronym is the word, and abbreviation is the would be IRB. So, so an, an acronym is an abbreviation. There's oh, there's okay. another oh, yeah, yeah. there's another definition um, like acronym that is an abbreviation. So it's an initialism. Initialism. Yeah. So IRB, we're we're assuming this is I, I IRP, not uh, ERP. <laughs> like if you said ERP, then it would be an acronym. So anyway, some random random thing there. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, we'll call it. Maybe I'll just call it ERP from now on. That's <laughs> We're gonna call it the ERP, the Institutional Revolutionary Party. All right, Calles's successor, um, Lorazo Cardenas, um, revived populism as a force within the ERP by redistributing land to landless peasants via state-sponsored communal farming, known as the Ejido system. Cardenas emphasized nationalism as a political force by expropriating the holdings of foreign oil corporations. By 1942, the political processes and institutions that would define Mexican politics for the next 40 years were established. A strong federal government dominated by a civilian president and his loyalists within the ruling party, a symbolic relationship between the state and the official party, a regular rotation of power among rival factions within a de facto single party system and a highly structured corporatist relationship between the state and government sponsored businesses. All right. Lots of this is so detail rich. So we're gonna have to be careful, right? Because I, I don't know about you all, but I'm kind of tempted to highlight all of that because there's so many juicy details in here. Yeah. So we're going to have to be a little picky with what we're going to do. All right. So when in doubt, more names here. So we have the successor, right? Um, Cardenas. So I would highlight that. And possibly that he so revived populism, right? So we're talking about, you know, what, what is an idea that's going to encompass what's in this paragraph, which is this reviving populism um, and then as a force within the ERP, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, also highlight a date in here, 1942, in case I need to come back and find that. So you can see kind of, I'm going through my most obvious highlights in my mind, and I'm going back and kind of filling in. So what we're doing right now is something that we call a blueprint we call retrograde highlighting. So we are reading the paragraph, and then we're going back and highlighting versus some of you might highlight as you go. Mm -hmm. um, two different strategies. There's not one that's wrong or right. If you haven't tried retrograde highlighting yet, um, it can be really helpful, especially if you tend to be a uh, read the paragraph and then go, wait, what just happened? Retrograde highlighting can be nice because it forces you to go through and do what I'm doing right now, which is, okay, wait, what was actually important in that paragraph? Yeah. What am I going to need to remember? All right. I'd also say, so can I just emphasize, national, emphasize nationalism, right? So we have populism, we have nationalism coming in here. Um, and also might note here, we have this whole, this whole kind of list of things, but I think this idea of a strong federal government kind of encompasses them. So I might highlight that. I would highlight that as well. Um, there's definitely a, definitely a lot here, but so it's kind of want to resist this urge to highlight, at least for me, this whole kind of end section. So we're going to leave that be and know that if we need to come back to this colon example, 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 that we're going to come back and find this paragraph. Okay. All righty. Is this our last one? Where are we? <laughs> Two more. Yeah. There's some more? Oh, it's, it's a long passage. Okay. It is a long passage. Yeah, we're going for it. We're going for it. We're staying, we're staying strong. All right. <laughs> During the 1980s, the pattern of Mexican politics instituted by Calles and Cardenas began to break down. Public funding for a variety of programs dried up, which led the state's role in the economy being scaled back. And the relationships developed over four decades between government agencies and legally recognized constituent groups were weakened. An internal rift emerged between the populists and the more technocratic wing of the ruling party over the market reforms and the author authoritarian nature of the IRP-dominated political system. This internal rift developed into the first major mass defection from the IRP when a key minority group broke ranks and contested the 1988 presidential election as a coalition of populist parties. Okay, so this paragraph is a little different than others, right? Because we have, we're describing this shift. So yeah, we have more dates popping out here. 1980s, I think we have this idea of like, begin to break down, right? We have all of these words popping out here. So we have, we have breakdown, we have weakened, right? These relationships um between governmental agencies which i think like whatever so what are we going to highlight to encapsulate that i think weekend is great um i think also the state's role in the economy being scaled back i think that's another like you know so this is how this kind of manifested itself is this is what's being weakened is the state's role in the economy um, I think also notice, noting this internal rift here, specifically, I'd highlight the technocratic wing, right? That's the first time we have a new kind of term popping out here. I want to note that, okay, this is where we talk about all this technocratic stuff. Um, and I'm not going to highlight this whole sentence saying like what the technocratic party believed, right? Because if I need to find it, I can go back to the, ah, technocratic, and then I'm going to look at the sentence right after it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think we have this 1988 presidential election. Um yeah, my highlight contested there as another if we're looking for the election. Um, yeah, lots of lots of detail. So this is why I think this this passage is very interesting because it's quite um, quite dense. Yeah. All right. So next paragraph. Self-preservation can help explain the breach in partisanship. IRP members' long-standing loyalty to the party means that in the absence of disrupting forces, they can be expected to vote for that party. However, when drastic changes occur in the political and financial landscape, members are responsive to a range of pressures that can weaken their loyalty. 
Obvious variations occur in such factors as the charisma of the candidates, the impact of economic and domestic policy issues, foreign policy, and especially local economic changes. These factors may well have caused members to dissociate from the IRP. All right, what are we going to pull out? What do you think is most important here? Mm -hmm. Uh, Self-preservation, I think, is Mm -hmm. really the key to all this. Um, Self-preservation, disrupting forces. uh, Yeah, definitely. And Mm -hmm. I think really the rest of it is just examples of disrupting forces. Yeah, I think, right, we have this, you have this strong, yeah, this, this strong transition, right? So however, like when changes occur, I think also knowing like members, like possibly the word responsive here. So like members are responsive to these changes. So we have these forces and they lead to a change because our members are responsive to things like local needs. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And last paragraph. Since 1987, the IRP has managed to defeat most of the serious electoral challenges to its central role in Mexican politics. However, by 2002, most believed correctly that the IRP-dominated political system was in an advanced state of decay and that a move to greater, greater pluralism in organized political activity was at hand. How this transition period would unfold and whether it would result in a more participatory and competitive political process for Mexico was yet to be determined. Traumatic experiences during the 19th century, including foreign military occupations, the loss of half of the national territory to the, U- to the United States, as well as the disillusion sown by a series of unconstitutional regimes, c- continue to have a profound impact on contemporary political culture. All right. So, first off, some more dates popping out here. So we have since 1987 and by 2002, so possibly just some indicating some differences here. I think noting here, we have our IRP system is in this advanced state of decay, right? So that's, that's a pretty strong statement, right? That's not, it's not very much saying like, like, wow, like this is really, this is, this is decaying. It isn't strong like it used to be. Um, so we have this transition period being talking, talking about. And I think this idea of like not knowing like yet how it was yet to be determined. We're, we don't know like how this was going to unfold. Um, I think is a good way to encapsulate kind of some of the rest of this. And I might also just highlight traumatic experiences. It's just like I said, one of those like a map, like, okay, where do I find, you know, talk about that military application uh, or uh, occupation, losing half of the land, all of that not so fun stuff. Yeah. And at the end here, and I don't think we necessarily need to highlight this, but we're saying, okay, like this has an impact on contemporary political culture. So the author is kind of doing a final tie in here, like, okay, how is, how is this affecting um, people today? Yeah. And we're done. So if you were with us for our last passage, you'll know that the first thing I like to do after I finish the passage is just to stop, say, wait, what just happened? What is author's main idea and what is our author's tone going to be? Dr. Gray, what would you say our author's main idea and tone is going to be here? So the main idea seems like it's just a, um, a history of the politics in Mexico mm-hmm. um, with, uh, it seems like, a shift in focus, at least near the end of um, kind of the, the stranglehold of this political system is kind of releasing and changing and morphing and because of some, some things that have happened. Um, so I think that's the main idea. Um, and yeah. the, I would definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we have the political, like we're, we have political change, you know, in Mexico. So we start, you know, we have this one wing and then we have the rise of the IRP and kind of the fall of the IRP. So we have a little bit of like a 
kind of a arc, if you will, to our story here. Yeah. And what what are you feeling on that um, for tone? And we can do again. Um, I said if you all weren't here last time, think about just on the negative three to positive three scale. Mm-hmm. Negative three being super negative tone, and three being super positive. Really loves it. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. in tone, I'm more on the negative side. Negative one, negative mm-hmm. two, in terms of the the author saying like there was there was a lot of issues with uh, the political system, but there weren't a lot of. Uh, forces to disrupt it until a little bit later mm-hmm. yeah i think i would agree with that i think like a negative one is about right because the author doesn't have any like personal value judgments on yep. it but they're also not like seemingly being the most generous about it you know there's yeah. definitely some critiques in here that's like you know it's decay you know there's um decay like we have like drastic changes um you know these traumatic experiences this yep. force began to break down. I'm just looking through highlights right now. Yep. Um, so yeah, I would say like a negative one, you know, because some of this is like an objective statement, like yeah. the political system decayed. It doesn't have to be a tone statement. Yeah. Um, I think taken together, yeah, a little neutral leaning. Yeah. Even even that quote official party, like the author's like, yeah, but yeah, was it really a, official? There's a dash of sass. In here. <laughs> there's just there's a little sprinkle of opinion in this otherwise like pretty like you know just like it's kind of like a report of what happened. But yeah, definitely definitely not positive and definitely like I said leaning negative. I would definitely agree with like a, a, a solid negative one. All right. All right, so I got that uh, under my belt. Hopefully the questions go well. So question <laughs> six, according to the passage, one problem that likely precipitated the 1980s crisis was. Answer choice A, investors' reactions to disappointing financial information. B, a shortage of available government funding. C, a collapse of the state's role in economics. Or D, the first major defection from the IRP. And so because we highlighted (laughs) dates, we have here... During the nineteen eighties, that's why I highlight dates, right? Because they'll they'll throw it a date at you and you're like, yeah, I don't remember where they mentioned. There were so many dates, I don't remember that where that was. So you go back and find your highlight. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we have um, we have this breakdown as we highlighted, and the state's role in the economy being scaled back, and so that immediately. Um, answer choice C is kind of the one that stands out as like a direct. Right, according to the passage, that that is one likely thing that precipitated this crisis. The mm-hmm. problem potentially is the, the problem with picking that right off the bat because it seems like it's easy. Is one problem that likely precipitated the crisis was now the public funding for a variety of programs dried up, which led to this. So I don't know if the precipitated is right because there was something that led to the state's role in economics collapsing. So I don't know if I'm overreading that or if it's just written poorly or what's going on there. So I'm going to go one by one and see if we can (laughs) uh, cross some stuff out. So investors' reactions to disappointing financial information, that is nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. Irrelevant information, not yep. mess- investors aren't message- mentioned in our passage. Yep. B, a shortage of available uh, av- a shortage of available government funding. Okay. So this one potentially is this public funding for a variety of programs dried up. 
Aha. Okay, so maybe that's what precipitated. And then the collapse of the state's role in economics was, was because of B. So this is one of those potentially, uh, oh, it wasn't the most correct answer. So I really like B. C, I'm like a little skittish about. Answer choice D, the first major defection from the IRP, was mentioned a little bit later um, and talking about lots of self-preservation. So that didn't precipitate the crisis. That was a result of the crisis, I think is what the author's getting at. So I'm going to get rid of D. I'm going to go with B because it seems to to lead to public funding dried up, which led to, and we're looking for precipitated. That is correct. Very good job. Yeah, so I think definitely C is our most tempting answer choice here because you're right, because these are right next to each other in our passage. You say that like, but you're totally right. Is our key word here the one the if you that if you picked C, the word you either missed or didn't quite understand in the context of this was precipitated, right? Yeah. Came what came before the 1980s crisis that caught that like you know led to it happening. Yeah, and so the collapse in the state's role in economics happened because of this crisis. In other words, happened because of a shortage of available government funding. And so I said, those are really close, you know, temporally and in, in, in our passage. But yes, B is our correct answer. Shortage of available government funding because we have directly in our passage, public funding for a variety of programs dried up. Nice. Awesome. All right. Can't fool me <laughs> <laughs> on that one. All right. All right. Question. And which of the following is not, 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 not. Whenever I hear a not, I say this to all my students. I yell it. If you weren't, all, if you aren't already yelling all of your nots and your weekends and all of that in your head, um, now from now on, I'm going to be yelling not in your head or Dr. Gray is going to be yelling not in your head. Which of the following is not characterized as a contributing factor to present day Mexican politics. So basically the answer that we're looking for is something that's irrelevant, right? Saying that's not, that either contributed like to old politics, but not new politics um, or something that's just completely irrelevant is the answer we're going to want. All right. Yeah. So now that we kind of parse it out, you're like, okay, wait, what's our question asking again? We're going to go through these answer choices. Okay. All right. A, adherence to a legal precedent. B, uneven power among branches of government, C, foreign military occupation, or D, land grants from the United States. All right. So first, Dr. Let, let's look for some things like which things are contributing factors. So those aren't, we're going to eliminate those, right? Because we have a not question. Which things are contributing factors? As you already scrolled down amazingly to our end of the passage, right? Because that's where we're talking about things like impact on contemporary political culture. So we're going to go back in our passage. So what are things that you can eliminate off the bat? So the thing for me is it's a potentially a little confusing of a, a question because it says present day politics. And so a student may see present day and go, well, there's no foreign military occupation now. So that's not a contributing factor, but it has been, it, it did contribute to where we are today, right? From the past. Mm -hmm. um, and it did, right? It, it talked about uh, the foreign military occupation. So I'm going to say uh, answer choice C is out. Um, uneven power among branches of government. Now, this one is a little bit weird because it talks about unconstitutional regimes. And so I don't know if that is like uneven power. Uh, I'm assuming it did. So I'm going to get rid of B potentially. Um, so 
answer choice A and D, so adherence to a legal precedent and D, land grants from the United States. Answer choice A, adherence to a legal precedent. Again, we have this word like unconstitutional regimes. So like, I don't know where – no one's adhering to any legal precedent with that. So that one seems like it, it may be right, but – Land grants from the United States is very strange as well, right? We we took the land from them. Like, we didn't give them land grants. So I don't know if one of these answers is like, well, that's not even right, so that can't be the answer. So I'm confused about this one, uh, just in terms of what it's asking and what the answer choices are, which is what the MCAT's all about. And I just like to complain that that it's always the the question writer's fault that I don't understand it. <laughs> so if I had to if you were going to hold my feet to the fire to pick an answer here right which of the following is not characterized as a contributing factor like n- nobody talked about land grants so I'm going to say D and you would be correct <laughs> very good very good so yes so I'm going to tell you so I'm going to tell you the reason why that's got um part so definitely so to eliminate answer C for military occupation right we were at the end of our passage here right these traumatic experiences during the 19th century including foreign military occupations however so even though we're talking about like I said this present day Mexican politics took us like I said kind of to the end of our passage here does the are does the author or does this question imply that like earlier events could not have influenced like can can could earlier events than this have also influenced of course yeah yes so if we look back where was uneven power among the branches of government for example mentioned where was that where was that mentioned yeah there you go you're yeah you're almost there (laughs) yeah so this first at the in our first paragraph up at the top scroll up a little bit perfect there this last sentence here, and the deference accorded to the executive over other branches of government can be traced. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, got it. Yeah. So this was tricky, right? Because we didn't, we couldn't get this all from one place in the passage. So I think you were trying to look for it where, and you were having trouble finding it, right? Because it wasn't there. It was somewhere else in the passage. Okay. And so this is, this is tricky here because you would have had to recognize oh, branches of government. Oh, we talked about at the beginning. I have to look in two different places. Okay. And so we have that on, um, like I said, uneven power. So great job eliminating that. And then we also have A here, adherence to a legal precedent. So that's in, this. Yeah. Yeah. So we said we can be traced back to administrative and legal practices of the colonial period. That's from there. We also have um, in the, we also have Mexicans adherence to highly codified civil law tradition, right? Mm. If you're applying a civil law tradition, highly codified, you're paying real attention to those traditions, to legal precedent. Okay. Um, and then you're totally right. Like I said, land grants, if you picked, um, if you thought that you could eliminate land grants, you probably mix that up with the opposite of the U.S. taking land from the United States, right? Because yeah. you're like, land, yes, that was, you know, I remember that. Um, so you might have had to just be careful that that was land grants, not land taking <laughs> or annex- annexing, uh, you know, yeah. whatever the historical uh, context is there. Yeah. But so our answer is going to be D. You're still right. on a roll, Dr. Gray. Still on a roll. Still on a roll. Question <laughs> eight. Which of the following incidents may have led to the rift between groups within the IRP? All right, so I'm going to scroll to that here. A, a local scandal involving officials of the IRP. B, political pressure from national labor unions. C, opinions of the defector's family members. Or D, a particular persuasive campaign speech by a technocrat member. 
All right. So which of the following incidents may have led to the rift? So we um, came here to the self-preservation and these disrupting forces that we led here. Um, and and we were given some examples. Uh, so thankfully, we highlighted, we can go right to some examples. So charisma of the candidates, impact of economic uh, and domestic policy issues, foreign policy, especially local economic changes. And so um, charisma of candidates is one that I think that resonates with A a lot, the local scandal involving officials, right? That that may impact, right, the candidates itself. Um, political pressure from national labor unions. Well, that potentially is good, right? Especially local economic changes, policy issues. Um, so that may be one. Um, answer choice C, opinions of the defector's family members. That's really not talked about much, so I'd probably get rid of C right off the bat. Uh, a D, particularly a persuasive campaign speech by a technocrat member. Now, persuasive campaign speech, is that leading to charisma of the candidates? Um, we talked about technocrats here. Uh, an internal rift emerged between the populist and more technocratic wing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So this is hard because I only eliminated one. And so let's see if I can eliminate some more using using some brain cells. Um, so a local <laughs> scandal isn't specifically mentioned. Now, I'm trying to jump through hoops to go, well, charisma, local scandal, maybe it affects charisma. And and you said something very interesting an episode or two ago about like if you're like internally jumping through a lot of hoops to get to the answer, then it's probably not the answer. So <laughs> I'm going to get rid of A because of that and see if maybe you taught me something after several years of doing the MCAT podcast. <laughs> Answer choice B, political pressure from national labor unions sounds potentially interesting again because we have uh, economic and domestic policy issues, right? That's what labor unions do. They're talking economic and, and policy issues. So that is an interesting one. And, and uh, unions and, and economic changes are big. So I'm going to go with B just because of that. You would be correct. Yeah. Look at very nice, very nice. And this is this is a very difficult question. You see, if you look at um, the students, the the two most popular answer choices, and they were equally popular, are B and D, right? Because we have like we have in the passage here like factors such as the charisma of the candidates, right? Mm-hmm. Persuasive speech by a technocrat, like that sounds like you know that sounds reasonable to yeah. me. So here's why B is the better answer. So. Not only we do have, like, so what you pointed out, Dr. Gray here, in this in that same sentence about the charisma of the candidates, say obvious variations occur in such factors as the impact of economic and domestic policy issues. But when if you scroll, if you look at the paragraph before this one, talking about um, populism, right? So we have this internal rift emerge between the populists and the more technocratic wing of the ruling party over the market reforms and authoritarian nature of the IRP dominated political um, dominated political system. So basically like these groups are like differing over like this stern governments of the IRP. And so recent reforms were like more restrictive, more unilateral, um, like represented basically these limited interests of the technocratic wing. 
And so this populist movement is seeking to represent, if you know like what populism is, you'd be, be careful. Don't bring in like too much information, but this is just a general category. So like populists are generally like, for the people, right? So it's the opposite. They're saying like the populists are the opposite of the technocratic. The technocratic were very like, uh, you know, very status quo, very authoritarian, you know, very like, you know, follow these strict rules versus the populists. Like I said, we're more for the people. Um, and so that also goes in line with this political pressure from national labor unions. So that's kind of an extra piece of support there. Um, along, like I said, with that um, sentence I read before about the obvious variations and things like in the impact of economic and domestic policy issues. Yeah. All right. All right, mm-hmm. man. So, so just just for everyone, just for everyone uh, watching and and listening right now. So. Uh, obviously, we're taking longer than than you're allowed to have on the MCAT. <laughs> yes. So, so that's one huge factor here. But what I hope to show is that me, I, I'm a dum dum when it comes to reading and understanding. Like I, uh, when I took the MCAT, it was it was the old score, so um, it's not super uh, translatable. Um, but I got a seven, which is about like a one. Uh, I don't know what it is now. Maybe maybe a 124, 125, maybe? Mm, 123? I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh in in the verbal section. And uh it was my worst section, the science sections I, I scored well in. And I just I wasn't a good reader. I didn't really understand what I was trying to do, and it just I really struggled. And so now understanding what the goal of this whole thing is. It's just to think and and not try to to do. It's just to think and and to understand. Uh it just makes it so much easier. So uh I think I think students try too hard with the car section. And they're just like, just relax and let it come to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like your application too of you're like you, you know you stop yourself you're like, wait, I'm jumping through too many hoops trying mm-hmm. to make the answer choice correct. Right. Because And and, you said most students probably feel, you know, sometimes there's a question where you're like, wow, that was hard. I don't know if I would have gotten that. But most of the time when you review your exam, you're like, I could have totally gotten that. It's because you could have totally gotten it because you were all because you're probably almost there. And there's just one or two things that led you astray, especially, you know, the amount of times we get it down to a 50 50 shot, like between B and D on this question. And we just have to find that one thing that pushes us over to the edge. And so it's one of those things that, you know, it's knowing that it's easy if you find the right piece of information can also be really helpful because if you find yourself jumping through too many hoops, Either it's the wrong answer or you're in the wrong place in the passage trying to support an answer from something that's not really related to what you're talking about. So yeah. definitely a good moment. Like, so what Dr. Gray did there to step back and reflect, you know, before he spent five minutes trying to find something that didn't exist in the passage, you know, saying like, wait, I'm jumping through too many hoops. I don't think this is it. Yeah. So striking that balance. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Question nine. All right. In 2006, despite a substantial technocrat majority among the Mexican Senate, leftist parties modestly increased their share of Senate seats at the expense of the IRP. Given the information in the passage, this result was probably due to either A, concerns about the competitiveness of the regional economy in several large Mexican states, B, a large-scale shift in party loyalty among IRP members, C, low voter interest in the campaign, 
and D, a lack of pressing domestic issues facing Mexico. I'll also tell you that this was also a question that um, a lot of you probably, or a lot of students and a lot of you listening may have struggled with on this. And I'm going to give uh, Dr. Gray a hint here that it's because of one word in our question stem that people didn't pay close enough attention to. So with that, what are, what are, what are you thinking? What's something maybe we can eliminate here? Uh, well, I want to know the one word. You said one word? <laughs> one word. One word, probably. Nope, not no. that one. Oh, darn it. Uh, given? Nope. <laughs> uh, Can I tell you what it is? Yeah, what's the word? Modestly. Modestly. Modestly increase their share of Senate seats. So we're going to keep that in mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... I I go back to the passage and I go, I don't see anything from 2006. So I'm assuming this is kind of like a pseudo discreet of like, uh, you have to, you have to figure out what this answer choice is just kind of loosely based on, or not loosely, but, but based on what the passage is, um, in this way. Okay. It's not, yeah, it's not a detailed question. We can go right in and get it. We're definitely going to have to do some reasoning on our own. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a concerns about the competitiveness of the regional economy in several large Mexican States. So that one sounds good because we talked about kind of the, the factors that may cause people to disassociate from the IRP, right? At the expense Mm -hmm. of the IRP, we talk about economic factors is a huge reason, right? That's, that's when we look at, uh, and I'm bringing external stuff in, <laughs> which I shouldn't do, when we look at our own elections, right? Everyone's talking about the economy and, and jobs and all this stuff. So um, that one sounds potentially like a good one because, oh, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. A large-scale rift in party loyalty among IRP members. So I'm assuming, and you kind of gave it away a little bit, maybe <laughs> this this modest, modestly and large scale shift, like those don't go together. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna get rid of B um, because that's an extreme answer there. Large scale shift, mm-hmm. uh, low voter interest in the campaign. That was not anywhere in kind of the discussion of what would cause uh, some disrupting forces of of voter turnout. So I'm gonna get rid of that. Uh, a lack of pressing domestic issues. So if there's a lack of pressing domestic issues, then things will be status quo, right? Because everything's about self-preservation. And if there's no issues, then things aren't going to disassociate. So if there aren't any issues, then things will, um, will stay the same. But the question is saying things don't stay the same. And so I'm going to choose A. And you would be correct, right? Yeah, so you're exactly right. These concerns about the regional economy, right? So that was talked about in our passage, economic and domestic policy issues, like I said, very in line. And so, Doctor, just like based off, so like I said, I, like I said w- it, given that I gave you a little bit of setup, how, how hard would you say that question was for you on a scale of one to 10? It wasn't hard because A just seemed the most correct mm-hmm. right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 73% of students on this question pick B. Um, yeah, so this is a really, this is a really hard question, but you can see that because I set Dr. Gray up of basically, we're going to look at every single word in this question stem. Suddenly it turned from a question that the, that the vast majority, that only 20% of students get correct to a question that felt easy. And this is because especially when you have a long question stem like this, it is really easy 
when you are stressed, when you are going through your passages, to skip over a little word like modestly. And for this, that was how they caught you and me, right? Because a shift in party loyalty, well, yeah, that's what we're talking about. They're saying that like, you know, that people, one party got more seats. Oh yeah, because party loyalties shifted slightly, more people supported that party. It makes sense, that, but it's this one words that will sometimes catch you. So large scale is not in line with modestly. So especially if you are debating between two answers, if you have a long question stem, pay extra attention to like, tell yourself, like, read every single word. Like, even you think you're reading every single word, <laughs> but you're not. You're not. I, you know, it happened, like I said, it happens to me too. It's happened definitely in my MCAT prep where there'd be, when I was going back to reflection, I'd say, I missed one word. One mm. word was all I needed. So read really carefully on these questions because you can turn a really hard question into a pretty easy question. Yeah. I, I would like to say that I would have gotten this question right even without your help. <laughs> I believe you. I believe you. <laughs> and nobody wall. will know. Nobody will know. <laughs> All right. Question 10. Which of the following words, modestly, would the author most likely use to describe the establishment of the IRP as the, quote, official party? All right. So here's where this official. Like, uh, official. <laughs> yeah. So which of the following words would the, would mm-hmm. the author? So we're going to to kind of tone here. Uh, most likely used to describe the establishment of the IRP as the, quote, official party. A, short-sighted, B, immoral, C, manipulative, or D, generous. Uh, I'm going to go with C, manipulative, uh, just very quickly. So short-sighted doesn't, like, I don't, that doesn't mean anything to me. Um, immoral, I don't know, maybe immoral, but I don't know if moral was like any moral judgment was made other than like this uh, official party is just super manipulative or like, I'm going to give you money and do this. Right. Cause, cause when we go to this quote, official party, um, this organization that lumped together disparate groups, according to broad functional categories, newly created interest groups dependent heavily on the state for their financing so that he's manipulating or they're, they're, they're manipulating this whole system to be the official party. So I'm just going to go with C. And you would be correct. This is uh, this is actually another question that um, students struggle with, tend to be between A and C. And I think that's because, so when we talked about the tone for this, we said it was like a negative one, right? Yep. So if you if you weren't there for that discussion, um, or if you forgot, so we're talking about like, you know, on a negative three to three scale, about a negative one in terms of opinion. So a little bit negative. And so I think if we were to give a number rating, right, to each of these words just in isolation, let's so we're just thinking about like, what do these words mean? So short side, I'd say short sighted, like that's not a good thing, right? It's not the most horrible thing. So I'd probably give that a negative one. Immoral, that's pretty strong. I'd probably give that a negative three. Manipulative, I'd say maybe like a negative one, negative two, not a good thing. And generous, a two or a three. Yeah. Right. So in that, and when you look at it, and from not that not way, not a negative two or three. That's a positive two or three. Positive two or three. Yeah. Yes. Positive. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look at this, I think that's um, why probably students got A and C confused, right? Because they're both like about the same like temperature check in terms of how negative they are, right? But if you think about short sighted, there's nothing saying that like you know, this idea was valid for X period of time. And then after that, it didn't work out. You know, it wasn't saying that, 
um, like the establishment of the IRP, you know, made sense for that current landscape. But 50 years later, it made absolutely no sense and had no relation. You know, that would have had to make short-sighted apply. That would have been, I said, so for, especially since they um, pointed out in our question stem here, the official party, yeah. um, that was kind of our cue. I said, not only to go back, I said, Dr. Gray scrolled right back to that in our passage. Um, I said, so you could definitely go back and look at that sentence. Um, I said, to get, if you want to get more of that yeah. temperature check around there to figure out, you know, why why was that official put in quotes? Why, yeah. why did the author do that? But even, said, it's right. Because they're saying it's, it's a little bit misleading, right? It's yeah. a little bit manipulative to call it the official party because it really wasn't the official yeah. party. Well, well, the manipulative mm-hmm. part, right, is, is hey, I'm going to give you money if you support mm-hmm. us as the official party. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's, it <laughs> seems pretty straightforward. So short-sighted mm-hmm. is just, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was good. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm 100% so far in, yeah. in the first two Cars passages. I think we should amazing. stop there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and everyone should know that the, the Dr. Gray is a 528 uh, MCAT taker. Done. Yeah. 132 <laughs> is all around. <laughs> nice. Well, um, so we get to the end. Again, feeling good. I'm like, okay, th- these are going well, but hopefully um, staying even killed, not getting the ego too crazy, not getting the adrenaline going like, I'm going to I'm gonna get a 132 on the car section. Yeah. A gently positive attitude, I think, is a good place. To gently positive. <laughs> it's another shirt. <laughs> gently positive. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so that's, that's it. And then we, we, uh, take a couple breaths and, and go to the next section. Is that how you do it? Yeah. Yeah. If you need the, yeah. If you need the breaths, take them. I said, or if you're feeling good, just dive in, check your, you know, check your timer, see where you're at. If you need to pick the pick, if you need to pick up the pace, or maybe you got a little too hyped up and, oh my gosh, I'm doing so good adrenaline and you need to take it a step back and you evaluate and keep on going. All right. So there you have it. MCAT diagnostic from Blueprint MCAT car section passage two. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope you enjoy your week and I hope you join us again next week when we go over passage three. That's the number that comes after two. If you go over to blueprintmcat.com, then you can get access to this diagnostic for free as well as many other goodies. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com. Don't forget to follow this podcast so that you get this episode or every new episode every week on your device for free as well. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.